There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Welcome to the newest episode of Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. I'm your host, Jason Fraley, picking the brains of the top filmmakers, musicians, and artists of our time. The acclaimed TV drama The Handmaid's Tale returns for season five tonight on Hulu. I spoke with star Samira Wiley in 2018, right before the release of season two, after the first season had won the Emmy for Best TV Drama. Samira Wiley! Emmy-nominated co-star of The Handmaid's Tale on Hulu, um... Man, it's it's such a powerful show. Um, I, I just binged the whole season on um, on Hulu, and it, it's a it's a it's so heavy that it's a it's a different different sort of binge. It's not like oh cliffhanger. It's yeah. like oh I got to prepare myself. There's some heavy scenes, but such a genius political commentary. So, um, well, first of all, I want to apologize uh, to you um, because you binge watched The Handmaid's Tale. <laughs> You're not supposed to do that. You binge watch something else, not The Handmaid's Tale. You need time to process. Yeah. Everything like that. Once a um, week, maybe. <laughs> once a week. I, I actually usually tell people, do not binge watch this show. Um, we, we left off, and we're here talking season two. We left off um, uh, June, you know, that she just got him to drop the stones. We're not going to stone everyone. Um, she just left the house, a little ambiguous of where she's going to go into the light or the dark. Mm-hmm. And your character is um, made her way to Canada, right? Yes, yes. And and hooked up with, with Luke, mm-hmm. uh, who called you a family member. Um where does season two sort of pick up with that? Without any huge plot spoilers, but just generally, where does where do we sort of go from here? Um, we pick up um, we, um, back uh, in Canada, um, where we left Moira off. Um, we see her struggle this season through um, all the difficulties of being a refugee, um, which is something that people are dealing with on a day-to-day basis. They, um, it's so wonderful in the beginning. Everything on the on the surface in the finale episode, we see her get a health insurance card. We see her get money, and women. Are even allowed to have any possessions. Um, she's not getting raped every day. These are all wonderful, wonderful things. But, um, you know, it's, it's the unfamiliar. Um, none of her loved ones are here. She has Luke, um, and they are trying to build, uh, um, you know, a stronger uh, sort of... Si- they have sort of a sibling rivalry um, relationship, um, but trying to, you know, really make that her family... Um, and we see all the, the wonderful things, but then all the horrible things because she, she it's the, the Gilead was the evil you know. Right. You know, we hear that all the time. The devil you know versus the, the devil you know. Exactly, the devil you know. Um, and not, not that this is a, is a devil, but it's a devil because she doesn't know it. You know what I mean? And it's lonely and it's sad and she doesn't have June. Where's June? Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. Talk, talk a little bit about... Um, I just, the, I love the evolution of your character in season one. You know, it starts off where, um, you know, when, when June first arrives, you're the tough one. You're like, hold your mm-hmm. shit together. You know, don't don't let them get you down. And then later in, in the show, she later in the series, she's, 
turns that back around on you after the whole Jezebel, um, I don't know what you want to call it, whorehouse kind of a deal. Um, um, And so just take me sort of into her journey on, you know, she starts at that tough as nails and then um, how how she sort of falls and then picks herself back up again throughout season mm-hmm. one. The character that we see, you know, uh, how we are first introduced to Moira, that's why, that's what attracted me to the piece so much, was she's such this badass, you know what I mean? And, like, she's got so much resolve, and she's she's going to be the, one, be the one on the front lines of everything. Um, and to see that wither away during the first season, when we see her at Jezebel sort of become a shell of herself, it's so disheartening, and... I, the way I had to justify it in terms of being the person that's bringing her to life is I had to just tell myself that this is for survival. There's no way that she could survive in this place if she was bucking up against everything every second because she wouldn't win. Because unfortunately, we're in Gilead. And in Gilead, women don't win. Uh, I mean, the only way we see that she has found some triumph is when she is escaping things. You know what I mean? When yeah. she's escaping the Red Center, then there's a, the, a, a rush of exhilaration. When she's escaping Jezebel's, then you see a smile on her face. When she finally escapes into Canada, then, you know what I mean? It's getting when away. When you lay down on the ground and have yeah, that exhale. Yeah. yeah, yeah. When we finally see the uh, <laughs> the Canadian license plate. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was a, that was a fun moment. It, <laughs> um, it's, but she has to do that. She, she has to... Um, re- you know, resort to that that shell of herself that we see in Jezebel's in order to survive. And she even takes another name, Ruby. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's not who she is, but that is literally. So I will not die in this place. I have to create this alternate reality. And she almost gets sucked into. She almost finds that new Ruby persona comfortable. And, and she even mm-hmm. says, like, I was doing okay until you got here back here, yeah. June. You know what I mean? Which is the complete opposite of what she was before. Um, well, a lot of these shifts in your character, um, her confidence and servitude, um, happen, like you said, around these escape moments. And I just, I, I sit there and marvel at you and, and Elizabeth Moss. Some, like, let's, for instance, at the train station, or um, the subway station, when, she, when you're both about to escape, but you get on and she doesn't get to. Yeah. There's so many moments where you have to just do it with glances across the subway platform, you know. Talk about how, and and throughout the show, because you're supposed to be meek and mild and not really speak out of turn, but explain how there's, you guys have to do so much with just your faces. Uh, it's you know it's it's so interesting. I'm, uh, there's a poster behind you of Elizabeth with her uh, her headdress on, and it's reminding me of <clears throat> how much um, this whole show is feels like a collaborative effort to get this story right. Even the costumes, you know, you have this thing that's this hood that's covering your head that you literally cannot say something to your neighbor without without moving your. So you almost it's like you have, it's like a horse with blinders on. Exactly. So you have to become a master at communicating in ways that are not ver- are nonverbal. Um, I, when I say I, I mean Moira, Moira, and June's relationship. They are able to have an entire conversation across the room from each other. They are in so many scenes at the Red Center where they're learning how to how to birth or they're learning how to do the ceremony, and they're literally across the room from each other. But there are whole scenes where that is just about Elizabeth's eyes and 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 Moira's eyes. Um, You're lucky because not every character even has two eyes to work with, you know. Yeah, that's true. But I think that's another thing. It's about survival. Yeah. They have to do that. They have to do that in order to make it onto the next day. 
Talk, I mean, we, we, you're sort of hinting at it with um, how she can say so much with her eyes. But tell me a little bit more about Elizabeth Moss. and how. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm sure, I mean, you were doing Archers in the Black, she was doing Mad Men, and now you guys yeah. collide here. But what just makes her able to carry the show? There's so many great scenes, especially that, God, I mean, I could list a million, but that scene when um, when she she sees her, her daughter out the window of the church and can't go, and she's pounding on the window crying and then really ha- yeah. <laughs> tells her captor off, you know, yeah, in the front yeah, yeah, seat. Yeah, yeah. But... Just so many great scenes, but just, you know, what what blows you away as an actress watching another actress work? I mean, honestly, Lizzie is, I, I don't know where she came from. <laughs> she is a literal ball of just pure talent. The, the, the way that I am continually inspired every single day by watching her work is a gift. It really is. It feels like I'm in like, I'm, I'm paid for some like special master class to be able to like know how to act or something. And to be able to have a scene partner that you can, you know, it's, 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 um, it's like having like an amazing like tennis match, right. you know what I mean? And, 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 but you're playing up against like one of the best players in the world. And somehow like, you're like, it's making you better. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's how I feel about her. Uh, and and you're up each other's game. Yeah, yeah, and and Dowd and everything. I mean, like they make me better. I know it. It's it's fun going to work. It's not easy. It's not like I'll just like do this off the you know um, off the uh, the back of my hand. We'll just see what happens. No, it's it's actual really working. Like making sure I'm looking into your eyes. I couldn't do this. I couldn't I couldn't do this job if I wasn't, you know, like like just from the back of my hand. I I need 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 her eyes. She's Elizabeth, honestly like I'm Elizabeth's fa- biggest fan. <laughs> sure she's your biggest fan. Too. Um on the flip side, on the darker side, man, Joseph finds Freaky and his wife. God, they are just so freaky. And I mean, we, I remember him in like, you know, the English patient and stuff. And then to yeah. see this, it's just like, oh my god. But speak about how how they sort of set the tone for this dystopia we have. Yeah, I mean, like, it's really interesting. Like, um, uh, Serena Joy, his wife, um, she is, um, she's she's a woman, and she's, I honestly do believe that all the women in Gilead are oppressed, not just the handmaids. Um, I think that they have a false sense of superiority, the the wives cast. and um, it's, it's so interesting because it's almost like the men don't have to do anything because they've set up this weird caste system with you. So you sort of take care of yourselves. You infight with the women, infight with each other because they think they're of different cl- castes or classes, and they're really not. You know what I mean? Like, what if they realized, like, no, guys, what if we just banded together? Um, so it's really, really interesting that the, uh, women in this women who are of the wives cast like Serena Joy because they are experiencing this this um, this false sense of superiority yeah. that is that is really tearing everything down, tearing them down. Yeah. And I mean the parallels to freaking Hollywood lately are I mean you I mean you guys couldn't have known when you shot the show that all hell would break loose with Weinstein and Me Too and all that but just speak to how this show was such a show for the moment and I mean that all factored probably into why won best drama and all that I mean it's just it's it's a movie of the zeitgeist or a show of the zeitgeist yeah it really you know I think it's I'm. I always feel like it's my. Res- I want it to be my responsibility as an artist to reflect the time that we're living in, and somehow I've fallen into this show that is doing exactly that. It's not that we want 
wanted, you know, for all these things to happen. But it, I think it is um, a testament to how in tune uh, our writers are um, to exactly where where um, our country is, where we are globally, everything like that. Um, when I read each new episode, it's like, I'm sure it's like, well, it's going to be like watching new episode for everyone else and how exciting that is. And it it, it blew my mind how just how in sync they were with our world. Um, I right, it's set in want to use the word, Jews, yeah. but it's not far off from what we are it's, now. And, and that's scary to think, but it, it also makes me feel an immense amount of responsibility to be able to get this story right, tell it with integrity, and um, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, and I mean, and just to put a, a button in that, the fact that Margaret Atwood could write this in what, like decades ago in the 80s or something, yeah. and it's still so relevant to today, yes. that, that's crazy to me. Um, I had two other things I wanted to ask you. First, Orange is the New Black. Yeah. Um, you, I mean, this actually dovetails fine. I mean, you say you want to talk, be in a show that's commenting on the now. I mean, when your character gets choked out in the cafeteria in that show, that's very, I mean, I remember seeing that around Michael Brown and all that other stuff. So talk about how, just like Handmaid's Tale, but on sort of a, whole, a different side of issues, mm-hmm. how that role was even relevant to now. Yeah, I mean, that was uh, that was a very conscious decision, obviously, on the writer's choice to be able to not only um, tell a story that um, was reflecting Mike Brown and Tra- Trayvon Martin, all of the young black, um, uh, young people of color who were getting, you know, um, sort of cut down in these streets. And it was really conscious. And it's even so to the point of picking the character they were going to use. I asked Genji, I felt so hurt in the beginning after I first heard. I was shocked and confused and had conversations with Genji Cohen, the creator. And You didn't want to leave the show. No, I didn't. <laughs> yeah. I didn't, yeah, yeah, yeah. seriously. Yeah. And uh, she basically told me that they couldn't tell this story with anyone else. That the way that Poussey had come into the hearts and of people, of the viewers, um, was something that couldn't be recreated. And I felt all of a sudden like really honored, you know? Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> and like, all right, yeah, that's right. Like, let's, let's get it, let's do it, let's tell it, and let's tell it right. And so, yeah, I guess from you're saying from that, I am used to being, I am used to being in these stories that are are um, um, fully commenting on exactly what is happening right now, and that is exactly where I want to be. I love watching TV, watching movies, just for fun, just for laughs, just for shits and gigs, whatever. But the great ones take it the other step, man. Yeah, that's that's what I want my life's work to be. It should be, just as you were talking about an actor, an actress tennis match, it should be an, a tennis match with you and the audience, yeah. present, dystopian future, it's the back and forth. Yes. Yeah, you know yes. what I mean? Um, well, I guess sort of in closing, we got to talk about, you grew up around here. Yeah. You even said when we walked in, what'd you say when you saw my microphone? Oh, I said, yeah, WTOP, I listen to them every morning. <laughs> <laughs> so you listened to us growing up, but you're a yeah. DC gal. How did you get into, um, you know, tell me about your parents growing up here, how you got into performing? Yeah, um, well, my parents are, um, they're retired now, but for my whole life, uh, up until last October, they were uh, pastors in the Baptist uh, Baptist Church. Um, very progressive pastors. Very so. progressive. Now they are also UCC, United Church of Christ do- denomination, which is a little more progressive. Um, and I just remember, um, I will never forget the day that I heard on the radio um, about a summer camp that was happening at Howard University for kids who wanted to act. 
Would you like WTOP, maybe? <laughs> Who knows? Let's just say yes. Let's just go with it. <laughs> um, yeah, and it was, uh, that was, that was, I, I, they took me, I don't know how seriously they took me, but they were like, yeah, let's take her to camp. Put it, got in the camp, and I stayed there for like the next seven summers. And one of the people that I met there is my best friend to this day. She also went to acting school. Like, it's, it's, you know, you got a lot of amazing, amazing people that come from here. You know, like, I remember when I was in school at Duke Ellington in high school, um, uh, Taraji, another local, um, came to visit the high school while I was, like, a student there. And to be sitting here now and have, like, this full circle thing. I've seen her, like, at the Emmys on the red carpet. It's, like, it's yeah, crazy. Yeah, you're both at the Emmys. It's now, crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. But it's also, like, awesome, and it feels like, yeah, of course. Of course we've come from here. Of course. Right. DC is good stock. It really is. <laughs> well, thanks for representing us so strongly, and keep doing it. I mean, you're, you, you're picking great roles, and like you're saying, like, these shows... At the time, no one knew they would be a big deal, but they're they're so of the present in the zeitgeist you know, on so many levels, and you're just so just keep kicking ass, you know. And I guess I have to end by saying, his eye is watching. No, what's the line? Under his under eye. Under his eye. <laughs> under his eye. Under to his end eye. on a freaky note. No. <laughs> <laughs> under his eye. Praise be. Praise be. Bitch. <laughs> so good. I love that. That's my favorite line of yours. Thanks so much. Nice meeting you. Thanks so much for listening to Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. Our theme music is Scott Buckley's Clarion. Remember to give us a five-star rating if you like what you hear. We'll see you next time. I wanted to take a second to tell you about an app I really enjoy. Living in the D.C. area is great, and Podcast D.C. gathers all of the local shows that I like all in one local app. Health, sports, local news, politics, and so much more. Podcast D.C. is the new local app with hundreds of D.C. area podcasts to choose from. I can earn exciting rewards just for listening and share the podcasts I love instantly. Available in the App Store or in Google Play, listen local with Podcast D.C.